Welcome to the Lumberhawk Podcast, y'all. Let's get into it. Now I'm in control. <laughs> Let's get the boring parts out of the way first. Bitcoin is floating in the $30,000 range right now. For the last few days, we've been bouncing between mid-28,000s and mid-30,000s. I don't see this changing anytime soon. Obviously, it could break out at any time in any direction. But every time we get below 28, it is met with a ton of volume, which shows me that when the price gets to that point, the bulls come back and charge. Hopefully, that trend will continue in the future. That being said, Every time the Bitcoin price gets above that, like right now in the 30,000s, volume is relatively non-existent, which doesn't give me a lot of optimism that we're going to break out north of 31,000 anytime soon. As far as all the on-chain metrics are concerned, for the most part, nothing has changed. Almost all of the indicators are still pointing at Bitcoin being in a generational buying opportunity right now. The one thing I would like to make note of is the Bitcoin balance on exchanges. During that last dump last week, we actually reversed our trend of Bitcoin leaving exchanges into a Bitcoin going on to exchanges situation. And I think that was largely fueled by extreme fear in the markets, as well as the Lunagard Foundation having to liquidate a couple billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. Since then, that trend has reversed and the amount of Bitcoin on exchanges is going back down. I expect that trend to continue to pick back up kind of where it left off last week. The legacy markets looked a little bit better today. The S&P 500 was up about 2% up to 4,088. The Dow up about 1.34%. The NASDAQ up 2.76%. The Russell 2000 up 3.19%. Also worth noting, the 10-year bond rate went up 3.16% to 2.968. With the state of our economy being the way it is and the dollar gaining strength over these last several days, it seems unlikely that this stock market rally will continue. I still believe that there is room for another 10 to 15% in the stock market to sell off before we hit a stock market bottom. Unfortunately, I don't think that we're going to see a Bitcoin and a crypto market bottom really establish itself until the stock market bottom comes in. Most likely, the crypto bottom will actually come in before the stock market bottom, but we won't be able to have a lot of confidence that the crypto bottom is in until we see it in the stock market as well. The risk on asset prices going down goes hand in hand with the dollar strength going up as people are are trying to minimize their risk and move to the safe haven that they view the US dollar as. The global economic slowdown doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon. As we speak, China has 32 cities on COVID lockdown right now. There's no way that's not going to have an impact on the global economic situation. It also doesn't help that India just banned wheat exports. Now, India isn't a huge wheat exporter like Ukraine or Russia, and I realize that they're concerned 
with their own population running out of food and wealthier countries buying wheat from out from underneath their own population. But with the global shortages already going on, there's no way that this is going to help the wheat markets. Aside from the 32 cities on lockdown, the yuan is really struggling. It's lost 7% of its value against the dollar in the last month. Now, some of that is because the dollar has gained strength, but also China has seen pretty significant outflows of Chinese bonds because people are afraid of keeping their money invested in China with the current situations. Some of that data that came out recently included industrial production down 2.9%, retail sales down 11%, electricity consumption down 1%, oil demand down 6.7%. The unemployment rate increased to 6.7%, which is the highest it's been in the last five years or so. Automotive sales decreased by more than 30%. So with the second largest economy looking like it's not out of the woods yet and it still has a way to go, it's not much of a stretch to connect that to the global economy struggling for a while. Back over here in the States, the S&P has lost $7 trillion for this downturn. The index is down 18% since the beginning of the year. The silver lining on that is that every time the market has had more than a 15% drop, it has been followed by a 12-month bull run. Now, that doesn't mean that that bull run is starting tomorrow. It's very likely not, and I'll get more into that in a minute. But whenever this down cycle concludes, hopefully past performance will repeat itself again. A recent survey indicated that Americans are generally cutting back on spending, Of the survey responses, 53% of them said that they would be dining out less, 39% said that they would cut back on driving, 35% said that they would cancel monthly subscriptions, 32% said that they would buy generic brands over name brands, and 29% said they would cancel vacations or other travel plans. All in all, as I've said before, I don't think that the markets will shift until the Fed starts to pivot its position, which I don't think is going to happen anytime in the very near future. As I've said before, I think it's likely that we'll see another 50 basis point hike in June and again in July. After that, I think it's actually likely for the Fed to turn a little bit more dovish for a couple of reasons. One, the velocity of money is slowing. People are cutting back and they're saving more. Two, the credit market is going to start to contract if it hasn't already, which it probably has. Three, inflation is disproportionately hurting the masses. And by that, I mean middle-income America, lower-income America, especially lower-income America. Rich people generally own assets and asset prices go up during inflation. So even if you're not keeping up with the devaluation of the dollar, you're still doing okay. Generally, middle-class families try to save, try to have a nest egg, and their nest egg is being eaten away due to the debasement of the U.S. dollar and the increase in costs of goods and services. However, those families in the lowest tax brackets are getting hurt the worst. These families are generally living paycheck to paycheck, 
and they spend the vast majority of their income on consumable goods like food and shelter and electricity. Those expenses are what's going up the worst, and those families have the least flexibility to do anything about it. Even though it sounds crazy at first thought, I've started coming around to the idea that as we enter an election cycle, the Fed is going to get a lot of political pressure to pivot dovish. But also, if inflation doesn't turn around very quickly, which it doesn't look like it's going to, the administration is going to get pressure to hand out more stimulus checks. I'm not sure what their monster-in-the-closet excuse for bringing stimulus checks back is going to be, and it might just be as simple as the fact that families are hurting. However, traditional spending bills are probably not getting through Congress. We saw what happened with the Build Back Better program. Not to mention that these bills are very often filled with earmarks and pork belly crap. Potentially, a direct payment stimulus program could bypass some of that, if not all of that, and go directly to the people who need it. And that money would also go directly into the economy. If this were to happen around the same time that the Fed pivots, sending a positive message to the markets, this could be a big cause for a market turnaround. Back to Bitcoin, I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to float in this 28,000 to 31,000 range up until then. We might not. I kind of hope that we do, though. I don't think that there will be enough bull momentum to keep us above that range. And unless we can break north of 32,500 and bounce back off of that with heavy resistance going south and use that as a new line of support, I just don't think that the momentum is going to stay bullish. Not in this market. When we look to the downside, we very possibly could break back down south of that $28,200 mark. That has been acting as a very strong line of support so far. We have broken through it a couple of times and then very quickly bounced out back north of it. That does give me some optimism. However, every time we're north of 28,000, volume is relatively minimal. If we were to break south of 28,200, then the next line of resistance to watch is 26,750. The one below that would be the 24,000 realized price number. And then the one below that would be the 22,000. It's a little bit north of 22,200 week moving average. So those are the price levels that I'm keeping an eye on right now. In other news, the UK is set to legalize stablecoins. Now, if you haven't been living underneath a rock, then you're probably saying, didn't UST just collapse? Yes, it did. And actually, so did a couple of other stablecoins. However, the UK is only legalizing fully backed stablecoins. So they don't have that same risk profile that an algorithmic stablecoin such as UST on the Luna network has. Another thing worth mentioning is that the president of El Salvador has said that 44 countries are coming to El Salvador on Monday, almost a week from today, to discuss Bitcoin and how El Salvador has integrated Bitcoin into their economy. Of those 44 countries, 32 will be represented by their central banks and 12 will be 
represented by financial authorities. Nearly all of the countries that will be attending is what we would consider to be developing countries, but they include countries such as Kenya, Nigeria, Egypt, Pakistan, Madagascar, and a bunch of others. It's unlikely that all 44 countries are going to go ahead and adopt a Bitcoin standard. But the mere fact that 44 countries are going to El Salvador, a place that nobody was going to a couple years ago, says a lot about what Bitcoin is doing for their economy. We currently only have two countries who have officially adopted Bitcoin as national legal tender. How many of these 44 countries have intentions of doing the same thing? The last bit of news I wanted to touch on quickly was with the Russia-Ukraine situation. If you remember, according to Russian propaganda, that war was only supposed to last a week, maybe two weeks. Now it's looking like it's going to be our version of Iraq. The whole reason Russia invaded Ukraine was because Ukraine was getting too close to the West and they were flirting with the idea of joining NATO. And Russia has made it clear that they will be intolerant of a country on their border being a NATO country. I realize that there are already NATO countries on the Russian border, but not any with significant economic or military might. But now there's yet another reason why Russia might escalate this war. Finland and Sweden both announced bids to join NATO on Sunday. Although Sweden is not bordering Russia, Finland has a huge Russian border. And those two countries dwarf Latvia and Estonia in basically every metric. I do have another travel deal for you. I have a round-trip, non-stop flight from New York City, JFK, to Panama City for $272. You can get a similar flight from Las Vegas, it's not non-stop, and from Denver from $276 or $282 respectively. That flight's usually between $650 and $700. Those flights are between August and November of this year and January and March of next year, and they fly on Delta and United. You can find those on Google Flights. Just type it in and they'll come up. That's it for today. Cheers, y'all. And as always, have a great day. Just kept going. At first it was like, nope. And then it said, it's like, and now it's disappearing. Oh, that's, you gotta ball this shit up.